might be experientially changed by divine life. I ask you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Say it with me. Grab your Bibles. We're going to make a declaration of faith over the word of the Lord this morning. Grab your Bibles or your electronic version of that. I like to put it over my heart only because it, it's dear. You know, the Bible talks about how that it divides, you know, between those thoughts, those intentions of the heart. So I'm just placing it there by faith. This is my Bible. God's written living word to me. It reveals to me who God says I am and tells me what God says I can have. Because it's how he thinks, I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. And therefore, I am transformed. Amen. We are in a series entitled Relationship Balance, and this is the third message in that series. And I've entitled this message this morning, Unmarried Solutions. The gift of singleness. Say it, the gift of singleness. Can I hear an amen? All right, we have, we have some gifted individuals this morning. Praise the Lord. Rachel's filling up a whole row. Come on. Bring two rows worth next time. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 on the screen behind me. This is taken from the Passion Translation. I would wish that all of you could live unmarried, just as I do. Yet, I understand that we are all decidedly different, with each having a special grace for one thing or another. Jim, I'm going to ask for your expertise this morning. I hadn't planned on it, but I know I'm not going to be able to stay in place. Our camera's stationary right now, but it might move. Let me put it another way. I'll move, and I need somebody to move it. Could you go operate that camera for me? Because I, I, I just can feel it. I had planned just to stay here behind the pulpit and minister this morning, and I know I can't. So thanks, Jim. I would that you all remain unmarried. What a bold statement from the apostle. He was not married. He had reasons for remaining unmarried, which we'll talk about this morning. But he also acknowledged that it requires a gift. It requires a grace to remain unmarried. How many of you know it requires a gift to be married? <laughs> how many of you have wanted to try, how many of you that are married have wanted to try the alternative? <laughs> I mean, if both are a gift, couldn't the Lord give me, I know how you're thinking. I can see it. I can see it right now. I can see it. 
And, and, and married individuals, uh, though our instruction this morning targets those who are living a single life, be careful. Be careful. Because this doesn't mean you can go to sleep this morning and not pay attention. All right? Number one, you will find important principles for your life in what we talk about this morning. Number two, we are one body. And we're supposed to share one another's life. So it's not like, well, I'm married, and so the single people don't really, you know, have a, a place, an important place in my life anymore. I need to hang with married people. May the Lord slap you. <laughs> I'm feeling it this morning. I don't know. Rachel, you got it, you got it stirred. And, and number three, we need to guard against smugness. Oh, there's so much smugness in the body of Christ when it comes to, you know, married people and how they act towards single people. One author and blogger wrote an article called Seven Reasons Young Men Should Marry Before Their 23rd Birthday. The trial of the suffering single person, you know. Here's, here's a summary of what this individual said. So interesting, so fascinating how the mind works and how many different varieties of thought there are. Number one, there is no gift of singleness, only celibacy. This is his thoughts now. I'm not saying I own this or agree with each of these, but it's his thought. We're not on a slide, I don't believe yet. This isn't part of, of that. Number two, marriage is the solution for sexual temptation, especially porn. How many of you know? How's that working for you? <laughs> Could I just ask, how's that working for you? If you got married to avoid sexual temptation... Number three, this individual says in this article, men need help becoming a responsible adult. <laughs> Walk away for a minute. I need a moment with the Lord. <laughs> I need a moment with the Lord because I know there's more than one saved, sanctified saint in this room that believes that. Number five, let's see, one, two, three, four. Marriage addresses false ideas of self. Well, yeah, I would totally agree with that. I don't know if it resolves them. Number five, because children require a lot of energy, it isn't wise to have them too late, like your middle 30s, he said, when you're getting tired. <laughs> This is an article I read, all right? This is This man's been a pastor, he's a leader, he's a Catch this one, number 7, to prevent men and women from becoming unrealistic and getting crotchety or persnickety. <laughs> marriage is a marriage will address that. It'll keep you from becoming persnickety. 
Now, I wasn't sure I knew, knew what that meant, or even crotchety. I mean, you, do you use those words commonly? So I looked them up. Whims, crankiness, ill-temperedness, fussy about small details. <laughs> huh? So marriage is supposed to help you with that so that you have less of that. Yeah, that's what I said, really. And then uh, finally, he says, number seven, as it's an address to the toxic mess of feminism. So you can probably locate his, his politic there. Now, here, this was the clincher for me, though, as I was reading through this article. And I quote, if someone is single who very much wants to be married, that condition is only a gift in the sense that every affliction is a gift. Those who are single involuntarily must still worship the Lord. They must still love him. They must still live productive lives in the church and so on. The one thing they must not do is try to talk themselves into the view that singleness is a positive ideal like sunshine and upland meadows. It is a trial and nothing is served by pretending it isn't a trial. And I thought, am I really reading this? Is, is this a Christian author? So let's take a look this morning at what the Word has to say about singleness and the beauty of it, because Paul does call it a gift. There are two types of unmarried individuals. Number one, the first group is those who have the gift of singleness. I believe we have a slide for that. Those who have the gift for being single. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 7, I wish everyone could get along without marrying, just as I do. But we are not all the same. God gives some the gift of marriage, and to others, he gives the gift of singleness. How do you know if you have the gift of singleness? Number one, you can live the rest of your life without feeling lonely or empty. How many of you know there's a lot of married people that feel lonely and empty? You see, in Genesis, when, when the Lord said to Adam, it is not good that man be alone. I'm going to put you to sleep and create a woman from your, out of your side, take her from one of your ribs and fashion her. He wasn't talking about loneliness. He was talking about partnership, companionship, being even more forceful in the earth. But I submit to you, Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he changed everything. So even a beautiful truth like that, that all the way back in Genesis, we see in the first marriage a beautiful partnership. For those who have the gift of being single, you lack nothing. Finding a man Finding a woman will not make you more complete if you are not already complete. If you don't already understand your completeness, your wholeness, who you are in Jesus, marrying will never bring that. 
Number two, you can live your life without constant social frustration. Single people tend to constantly be frustrated in social settings. And we, the body of Christ, are so guilty of creating an atmosphere where we elevate those that are married. You know, there's special classes, there's training, there's, you know, sermons are all pointed towards the married. You know, we, we specialize in the married. And then for the singles, we kind of push them off in the corner. You know, they're not like us. They're not one of us. We wish you'd become like we are. And so the social frustration, even out in the world, there's such pressure that you need to be with, you need to have a partner, you, you need to be married, or at least living together with somebody that you can share your life with. Well, if you have the gift of singleness, no, that isn't something that you're frustrated over. That isn't something... Uh, uh, number three, it isn't eternal. And it's not ultimate. You are not going to remain married for eternity. <laughs> now think about this. If you are married, in all likelihood, one of you is returning to dirt before the other. I just have a way of saying things, I'm sorry. Okay, one of you is probably going to pass away and leave the earth before the other. So see, even in marriage, singleness is going to return. Marriage isn't eternal. It's not the ultimate bliss. It's not to be reached for, grabbed, possessed. In other words, it doesn't define you as a human, just like sex doesn't define you as a human. Elizabeth Elliot, in her book, Quest for Love, said this, and I quote, If you are single today, the portion assigned to you for today is singleness. It is God's gift. Singleness ought not to be viewed as a problem, nor marriage as a right. God in his wisdom and love grants either as a gift. An unmarried person has the gift of singleness, not to be confused with the gift of celibacy. When we speak of the gift of celibacy, we usually refer to the one who is bound by vows not to marry. If you are not so bound, listen, what may be your portion tomorrow is not your business today. Today's business is to trust the living God who precisely measures out day by day your portion. End quote. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. If you are single, if you are gifted to be single, there is a portion for you today. Enjoy it. Walk in it. Be full. Live it. Grasp it. Seize the moment. Carpe diem. There's a second group who are single, and that's those who are single by choice. Now, here's some wrong reasons to be single by choice. Playing the field. You want to leave the options open, all right? You want to have a rich dating life. You want to be able to come and go. You want to, you know, you're going to play that field. Move in and out of the bar scene. Move in and out of the social scene. Move in and out of, you know. If you're not catching it at this church, maybe you'll catch it at the next church, see? Oh, 
Ooh, ooh. Some people choose their church because of what's walking around in the clothes rather than what they're relating to in the glory. So you're trying to play the field. Number two, you have a fear of relationships. That's the wrong reason to stay single, to choose to be. You're afraid of, of getting close. You're afraid of letting your guard down, of being transparent with individuals. Another wrong reason is selfish. You just don't want to share your life. You don't want to share your things. You don't want to share who you are. You don't want to share your car. You don't want to share your dog. I don't know. You just, you're selfish. You don't, I don't want to share that with anybody. And so I'm going to be single. Family baggage. That keeps a lot of folks single. When you come from a broken family, when you come from a messed up family, I don't know about you, I haven't met anybody that didn't come from a messed up family. I came from a messed up family. Amen. All of us have come from messed up families. Our parents weren't perfect. Our upbringing wasn't perfect. Our parents' parents weren't perfect. We've all got brokenness in our lives. We all have baggage that we bring into relationships. And that baggage is not a reason to stay single or to choose to be single if God wants you to be joined to another. Think about this. If you do join yourself to another, you get to pack your bags together. <laughs> Another wrong reason to be single, to choose to be single, is spiritual pride. Well, I just can't find anybody to share this with. <laughs> I mean, everybody I meet is so beneath me in the Lord. You know? They're just, you know, they don't pray like I pray. They don't worship like I worship. They just, you know, their eyes glaze over when we talk about the Bible. <laughs> Yeah, and you might go a few more years before you find <laughs> Mr. Right, Mrs. Right. When you have that kind of spiritual pride, man, I'll tell you what, that stinks. That's really something. Or I wrote this one down. Well, don't email me. Don't, you know, this is, just, this is just how things, this is how I think. This is how things come up out of me. All right? I'm not responsible for the things the Holy Spirit says. You're just stupid hard to be around. <laughs> Some people are just stupid hard to be around. I didn't call you stupid. I said, you know what I mean? Some people are just hard to be around. They're not fun. They're not enjoyable. They suck. <laughs> you get in their presence and just, <laughs> just you, you leave kind of, man, I, I need to go somewhere and recharge. Have you? How many of you know what? Here's a couple of right reasons. I'll give you three. Right reasons to choose to be single. First, for the sake of God's kingdom. Matthew chapter 19. Some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. Isn't that beautiful? For kingdom reasons. Number two. You have a sincere desire to focus all of your attention on your walk and on your assignment with God. 
Paul said, marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend in becoming whole and holy instruments of God. This was Paul's argument. Now, he does not present these as a command. He does not command us to be married or command us to be single. He just says, I'm observing something in my own life. I know that being single for me allows me to focus on the Lord and his assignment in my life. And I know I've got friends, he says, who are married. And you can tell. Their their focus is, is divided between the attention they have to give to their spouse And the attention then that they have left for the Lord. He says, you know, I wish that you were all single, but you don't all have that gift. And number three, it is a testimony to the intimacy of a relationship with Jesus Christ that you could live in the earth single and enjoy it and be full. What a testimony of intimacy. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32, when you're married, you're free to concentrate. Excuse me. When you are unmarried, you are free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Isn't that good? Barry Danlick, in his book, Redeeming Singleness, writes, and I quote, Christian singleness lived in its fullest expression is a powerful testimony to the gospel. It's a testimony to the supreme sufficiency of Christ for all things, testifying through that Christ's life is fully blessed even without marriage and children. I think that's beautiful. I think that's true. You may not be married. Not only may you not be married, but you might not have or want children. Mm, The intimacy that you can have with Christ can completely fill up your life and satiate you with all that's good and all that's meaningful. Let me give you four keys this morning to embracing your singleness. If you're single, whether you've chosen it or you actually have a gift, keeping in mind that you may be single now and not single next year, you're going to trust the Lord with that. He has an assignment for you this day. But in your singleness, I want to give you these four keys for embracing your singleness. Number one, no shame. There is no shame in not being married. You are not second best or inferior being single. Married people are not automatically more emotionally mature, fulfilled, or happy. Single people are not automatically immature, unfulfilled, or unhappy, or lonely for that matter. Anyone can be emotionally mature or immature, fulfilled or unfulfilled, happy or unhappy. And that can vary day to day, minute to minute. How many of you know that's true? Marriage doesn't make that difference. Your intimacy with Christ does. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3, In Christ's family there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male or female. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? 
Look at this before we take it down. In Christ's family, read it out loud, ready, read. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free. There's no division. God doesn't see us that way. You're not incomplete because you're not joined in marriage. Galatians chapter 2, verse 6. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. It's okay to have some people in your life. You'll have them in your social settings. You'll have them even here in church. They seem to be influential. Maybe there's a pressure socially for you to measure up or to get married. Paul said, I'm just not moved by that. I'm not moved by human persuasion or influence. They're just not all that to me. <laughs> How many of you have a person or two in your life where they're just not all that? <laughs> he said it this way. Those who seem to be influential, they just added nothing to me. Look at somebody. Tell them, you add a lot to me. Now look at somebody else and say, there are some people who just don't add anything to me. Look at somebody and tell them that. <laughs> there are some people who just... Now, I'm not talking about them. <laughs> okay? <laughs> We just need to admit, we, we need to be honest and bold enough and, and willing to admit, you know, there are people in our lives with whom we need to be able to say, they just don't add anything to me, and so I'm not going to be. Number two, I'm giving you four keys to singleness, four keys to embracing singleness. Number two, you must be content with where you are. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 17, and don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Isn't that powerful? Come on, give him a hand. Where you are right now, come on, give him a hand. Where I am right now, say it. Where I am right now, come on, say it with me. Where I am right now is where he wants me to be. Yeah, it's very simple. I love that. So in that, I'm going to rest then. I'm going to be content. And how many of you know, even when you are striving for that, even when you are lifting your head to the glory of God and, and, you're, and, you're, and you're praying and you're walking in the Holy Spirit, believing for a greater revelation of that principle and that truth, people can say some of the unkindest things to you when you are single. Let me give you an example. Don't you wish, don't, why aren't you married? <laughs> don't you wish, well, just, I mean, why aren't you married? Like something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with you. You know, do you have a big zit on your face? Do you have a perpetual eternal Bump on your nose, is it all twisted? And you know, I mean, what do you know? What's wrong with me? Does my breath always stink? Does my, you know, 
those are all just surface kind of things, but it makes us think. We start checking. We start checking our height and what we're wearing and how we're parting our hair and whether or not our breath is fresh. And just we go through this litany, this list of when people ask a stupid question like that. (laughs) Why aren't you married? Here's another one. Hey, bet you'd really be happy if you got together with so-and-so as if happiness is found only in marriage. Come on, folks. Don't ever say that. Tim Keller identifies a couple more of these dumb statements. Tremendous man of God, theologian, prolific author, over 60 books written, Tim Keller says. Here's one. As soon as you are satisfied with God alone, he'll bring someone special into your life. As though God's blessing ever earned God's or your contentment from the Lord. Here's one. You're too picky. You're you're too picky. (laughs) As though God is frustrated by your fickle whims and needs broader parameters in order to work in your life and bring you. You know what I mean? You're just too picky. You need to lighten up. (laughs) Here's another good one he says. People say, as a single, you can commit yourself wholeheartedly to the Lord's work. As though God requires emotional martyrs to do his work, of which marriage has no part, of course. So Paul did argue for the beauty of singleness from the standpoint of being able to focus and to dedicate. But boy, you do not use that as a hammer to say to somebody, you're lacking. If you're single, you lack. You're not as close to the Lord as you could be. If you got married, here's another one. Before you can marry somebody wonderful, the Lord has to make you into somebody wonderful. Have you ever heard that before? I mean, the reason you don't have never met Mr. Right is because you've got things in your life that need to get right. As though God grants marriage as a second blessing to the satisfactorily sanctified. You know, the, the really destructive thing is that beneath all of these statements is the premise that single life is a state of depriv- being deprived. Deprivation, is that a word? Deprivation, that's a word. For people who are not yet fully formed in marriage. And nothing could be further from the truth. You know what we need to do? In in place of the question, why aren't you married? How about asking this? What is God doing with and through your singleness today? What's God been doing with and through your relationship with the Lord this week? Get your eyes off of their singleness or their marriedness. See, we need to say with the Apostle Paul, these people add nothing to me. Uh, Okay, if you've got people like this that are saying these kind of things to you, you just say with the Apostle, these people add nothing to me. (laughs) Be sweet. I mean, love them. Love them in the Lord. But these people add nothing to me. All right? You just can't spend a lot of time with these kind of people that say these things. (laughs) We having a Holy Ghost moment over there? Yeah? Well, sweetheart, you have it because I want to get a drink. Come on, just have it. I think she's thinking. 
<laughs> Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever my circumstances. I've learned to be content with whatever my circumstances are. Number three, hold on to the revelation of in Christ. You've got to hold on to that revelation of in Christ. What do I mean? The Good News Translation says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, and you have been given full life in union with him. Look at somebody and say, I have full life. Yeah, yeah. isn't that good? Because of what Jesus did for us, we have full life in him. Nothing is missing. Nothing's lacking. I'm not short anything. Love that. Then Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, second part of the verse. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power. All the fullness of life and power. Wow. Think about that the next time you're walking down the street, you single people. Okay. You're just walking down the street and you're thinking, wow, I am full of life. I am full of power. Woo, I look good today. You looking at this, huh? You looking at this? Yeah? No? Can't have it. <laughs> I belong to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. See, we learned last week that the only thing that should be chasing some of you is goodness and mercy. You don't need a man or a woman chasing you. Just look behind you and notice good and mercy, goodness and mercy. David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. The word follows chase. Some of you, God, give me somebody that would just chase me, that would love me for who I am. He's chasing you, bless the Lord. He sent goodness and mercy. Just look over your shoulder and say, thank you. Goodness and mercy are chasing me. You're already full of life and power. Number four, don't let your married state define you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17, God, not your marital status, defines your life. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, He has identified us by, as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. What a relationship. What a relationship to have God, creator of the universe, take his spirit and place it into you and say, you are my beloved. <laughs> next time you're feeling lonely, next time you're feeling unloved, Next time you're feeling like nobody's listening, stop, just 
15, 20 seconds. Just stop. Get a hold of yourself in that moment. See, that's just about 20 seconds. Uncomfortable, isn't it? To be quiet that long, especially in a church. That was, that was just maybe 20 seconds. Did you hear it, though? Let's try it again. Listen. Just stop about 15, 20 seconds. Listen. Next time you're feeling lonely, like nobody cares, your life is just not complete. 15, 20 seconds. Listen. Did you hear it? God was saying, want to hang out? That was God. That was God saying, want to hang out? (laughs) A man isn't going to complete you. A woman isn't going to complete you. God says, want to hang out? I'll tell you what. For those of you that choose to be single, it's not your gift for the rest of your life, but for whatever your circumstances, you choose to be single now. The greatest blessing in your life would be this, to learn to just hang out with the Lord and accept from Him a completeness, a fullness, a richness, And I'll tell you what, as you are complete in him, as you have the revelation of who you are in him and how complete in him you are, lacking nothing, watch what happens with your relationships. And if you don't have the gift to remain single all of your life but have chose to be single now, it could be that there's a reassignment. But if a reassignment happens and you meet Mr. Right, Mrs. Right, it won't be because you're reaching, you're grabbing, you're striving, you're visiting the bars. You know what I mean? Huh? You don't switch churches because you're not seeing the right kind of flesh in the right kind of clothes and saying the right kind of thing. No. You're there in church because of the glory. And in that glory, God reveals himself to one person and another, and they begin to be attracted to one another. What a, what a beautiful way to be joined if that's your gift, because it takes a gift to be married too. If you've never been married, if don't raise your hand. If you've never been married, please, don't you think for a moment that the gift that's required to be single is somehow less you know, it, it just if I could just get married, it would answer so many questions. For every question it answers, it creates ten. Yeah. And I'm not saying marriage is a bad thing, but I'm just saying you put two people with different hearts, different minds, different directions, different goals, different... You know, during engagement and dating, you can do no wrong. I mean, you look great, you smell great, you kiss great, you're going the same way, you have all the same goals, you know, everything's wonderful when you're dating. And then you say, I do. 
And somewhere down around year number one or two, maybe third one if you last that long, the devil comes. (laughs) I'm just trying to make a point. It takes a gift to be married. It's a lot of work to take two people and join them together. No less work than to be single. To you who have either chosen to be single or have the gift to be single. This morning, we celebrate you. This morning, we say, welcome to Genesis. This morning, we say, we will work hard to create a place of belonging, believing, and becoming for you. Could we stand?